0: Welcome to The Cashless Cowboy, where we cover all things radio and Western lifestyle, based here in Australia. But don't worry, we got some overseas guests coming in too. Let's get into it. Has
1: your old straw hat seen better days? Has that felt that you're wearing lost its shape? Don't stress. The Cashless Cowboy and make an 8 Rodeo Company have teamed up to offer you a hot cowboy deal. make and 8 Rodeo Company is an Australian retailer for the renowned American Hat Company. Owner Jack Miller is a fully certified American Hat Shaper, recognised by the American Hat Company base in Bowie, Texas. He can reshape, clean or fully customise your American hat. Do you want a custom hat band? maybe a unique brim trim? No matter what end of the arena that you hustle from, make 8 has you covered. Buy a cowboy for cowboys. Jack has teamed up with the Cashless Cowboy to offer listeners a cracking deal to keep you looking fresh this rodeo season. After all, winter is coming and winter is felt hat season. Don't be caught out wearing that worn out straw when you can get a brand new American hat company felt for 15% off. Not a felt fan? That's cool. They have straws too. That's right, 15% off just for you Cashless Cowboy listeners. Swing make and eight rodeo company a message on Facebook or Instagram and mention the code The Cashless Cowboy for your 15% discount when you purchase your brand new American Hat Company hat. And don't forget to tell them, the couch is cowboy
0: Sun. Hey guys, I got to sit down with Michael Ma last weekend, no jackpot, just out of Warwick. And uh, I actually asked Bubba a couple of weeks ago at a jackpot rope we had at uh, Miles in Queensland that if, if he'd like to come on the show, and he was more than happy. So we finally got to sit down on Sunday after the jackpot and uh, crack into a great episode. Um, There's a few people there that actually met Bubba that day and did not know that he is one of Australia's best bronc riders and I guess you'd say maybe some people on the bronc riding scene don't know that Bubba's uh, quite a handy healer. So uh, it's great to sit down and and get this information out to everybody so that... um, it's, that's what I love about this doing this show is that you might learn something that you didn't know about someone and that someone might have information that can help you down the road yourself. Um, so once again, without further ado, let's get into next episode of the Cassius Cowboy. jump, jump make that ride. sit back and watch
2: Break that neck in Perfect time no it's a
0: wild wrong ride. Righto. Welcome to episode number seven of the Cassius Cowboy. We have Michael Ma joining us this, this, this Sappho. So uh, introduce yourself Michael. How's
2: hey, it going? I'm Michael Mar. Um, I'm a saddlebunk rider, uh, team raper, part-time calf raper, and uh, all-round good
0: guy. All-round good guy like that. That's, 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 you should just start with that. Just. I'm Michael Ma. i all good guy. I don't do anything else. <laughs> but uh, like you said, you are a bronc rider, so we'll start with that. Like, What, what got you started in bronc riding?
2: Um, I was lucky enough to be part of the high school rodeo program in Warwick and uh, it was the only, the first and only um, actual rodeo program as part of the curriculum at school. And uh, believe it or not, I did want to be a bareback rider to a start and my parents taught me. Uh, It'd be a bit better idea if I stuck to something <laughs> I was probably more suited to instead of riding bareback horses, learning it with Bronx instead.
0: Look where that's taking you. Yep. All over the world, nearly. Well, um, yeah. As you said, you got started, so then you
2: was
0: uh, you started traveling and doing some NRAs.
2: Yeah, um, probably before I sort of got to NRAs, we high school rodeoed, and um, I was lucky enough to be in the Australian team um, to go to New Zealand. and competing in the Trans-Tasman Challenge, um, and ever since then I left school, and uh, it all the rest is history, so they say. <laughs>
0: yeah, so then you did, you started cracking out the NRAs, and you won, you won your first rookie in 2007, your first buckle, and you won the rookie.
2: Yep, um, it was pretty good. Uh, it was actually the year the uh, horse flu, or EI, was in Australia, and Everything sort of shut down three quarters of the way through, and I was lucky enough to be leading the rookie for the year and end up uh, winning that. Covered two
0: yeah. <laughs> Couple two Bronx, yeah.
2: Covered more than two, I think. Yeah.
0: Well, um, like well, you got into that, and then you uh, you made the NRA finals eleven times. Like you, you, you won your rookie, and then you just kept cracking in from two thousand and seven
2: onwards. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I guess two thousand and seven was sort of the, the year that gave me a taste of what radio life was about and and uh I liked what I saw so I pursued it as far as I could go.
0: Yeah. Yeah. like we were just sitting there before, um yeah, two so eleven times, so once since two thousand and seven you didn't make the finals, you know, and then in two thousand and ten you won the N R A average. Yep. So yeah. that's that's cracking at it. Yeah,
2: no, I had a pretty good year in two thousand and ten uh, and I think I missed out on the title by about 20 points, which is the fourth place in an in, NRA in rodeo, so it was a uh, bit, sweet, I guess, I ended up winning the average, but uh, just short on the title.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then uh, 2008, you actually, so straight after your rookie, like, let's go, and use it, let's go to uh, America, let's go to the States.
2: Yeah, I had to go over and uh, dip my toes in the big pond and see how it felt. And, it was uh, it was a pretty good eye opener and it was nice and it was a pretty short trip but it was it was good to see what the what the rest of the world's like and and compete against some of the good guys over there and see where how I matched up against them. Yeah, and uh,
0: like I, I've I don't know how many Bronx I rode and I was shit at it, <laughs> terrible. But I've heard that they are uh, they've got a lot more power to them in America than what
2: they do here. Yeah, a little bit more. Um, a bit more size about them than what they are in Australia but Australia has been doing a fair bit lately to, to uh, improve on, on the size and the, the strength the horses have and, and it's been shown and in uh, what Malcolm Eddie Gill and Rick Knutson have done and they've imported just two stallions um, to, to breed with the mares that they buck in Australia and, and it's proven to be well worthwhile doing it.
0: Yeah. Well, it's actually good that you just mentioned Rick because I dare say Rick will have Chinchilla Radio and Chinchilla's next weekend coming. Yeah. So this episode should air sometime this week before Chinchilla and then the Bronx that you were just talking about that have got bred that bit more size into them will be the Bronx that they're covering this weekend. Yep. Yeah. Um. Yeah, 2007 you made your first pro finals and you split the average with Glen Kent. so that's that's pretty good for your first pro finals.
2: Yeah, no, I was um, pretty lucky. Uh, I drew some good horses down the Gold Coast, and um, if I think if I had a placed in the place slightly higher in any, any round there, it might have walked away with the title. And um, I guess it was good for us to to match ourselves against the best in Australia and and uh, see how we fared.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, um you you were probably at that point were you working for job were you working for mark collins
2: uh i think the first year we made the finals we were working together and um, we used to uh, work for the same builder and and after that mark spun out on his own and yeah become his own builders co- building company so after that i ended up following him as well and we worked together for about eight years in a row so
0: that's pretty good like working and Heading on home in the afternoon, getting on a couple of practice horses with your boss, and making the traveling down the road every year and making the finals with him. That's pretty cool.
2: It was always handy having your boss at the same rodeo, as you could, <laughs> That's you, could it. you could get as much time off work as you needed.
0: Yeah, we won man, either, so we might just stay another night. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, but if you split you split the average, but if you had placed any higher in any of the rounds, you actually would have won
2: there is quite you a possible awesome title have,
0: yeah. that would have been for your first pro tour like for your first pro finals to win the average and then win the 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 series it would have been awesome
2: yeah that would have been something special but i guess i was um pretty lucky to be able to to be there and compete against them and mm-hmm. to do as well as i did i suppose i was pretty lucky with that so that's it you've got to take the good with the bad don't you yeah yeah so then in 2011
0: 2012 and 2013 you went back to the States?
2: Yeah, um, sort of a bit absent from Australia for a while, and um, I was lucky enough to go over there, and my, uh, my wife, her father-in-law, he, uh, her father, he, he had some good mates that he used to rodeo with, and uh, we were lucky enough to have some good connections there, and once we were there, we met more people, and it seemed like everybody had a place for you to stay if you need one, and everyone was more than willing to help you out.
0: Yeah, but you just mentioned Tam. Um, her dad, Joe Joe Conn, was one of Australia's well-known front riders, like he was a very handy cowboy.
2: Yeah, I think he's probably one of the top five people to ever strap a bronx saddle to to a horse in the world and uh, even to this day they still use his techniques and his methods of riding bronx over there because uh, I believe it is the the only way to do it so correct. and he's so well renowned for um, for being as good as what he was.
0: Yeah,
2: I think um, I think I've seen it was it Cheyenne.
0: They have who won like on the big, platted big signs. They've got who won what year, and I think he took a photo one year of the year.
2: Yeah, that was um, that was Calgary. We were in Calgary two years ago, and yeah, Darryl Lee had his name still on there from uh, I believe it was 1973 or 74, I think.
0: Yeah. That's massive to have that man in your corner too.
2: Yeah, you no, know. He, he um, I'm very grateful. He's taught me everything I know and and uh, picked up little bits and pieces from everyone else but he set the foundation for my career.
0: Yeah, well, that's awesome. So then spending that time over the stage like you would have gone on some pretty handy bronx over there.
2: Yeah, no we had some some of the best in the world. i got some, got on some of the, been to the finals and some that still go to the finals now and, and that was sort uh, of I'm looking about six years ago now, so. Still travelling. Yeah.
0: Yeah. What would you say would be the sharpest, sharpest bronc you ever got on over there?
2: Um, I was at Lehigh, Utah, and uh, I got on a horse called Marla's Rose of Diamond G's, and um, she was known to be in the, in the, the nice pen or the, the Bucky pen, the TV pen of the NFR, and she's been there for a few years, and I think I was 85 on her and, and won the rodeo against um, a lot of the good guys. Um, Utah's the, the hometown of the Wright family and a lot of them guys were all ended and yeah. it was pretty cool to, to match them or beat them on their own turf. Yeah, definitely. That would have been pretty cool. Their home
0: road, one of their yeah, one of their home rodeos in a way and Aussie steps up. Yeah, no,
2: very very fortunate to be able to, to do that.
0: Yeah, that's pretty cool. So then you like you said, you travelled around and you always had a home over there like were you keen to come back once you started covering some sharp broncs over there, come back and go yep let's, let's match it again over here and show what I've done?
2: Yeah I guess it was sort of, um, it was one of the things like it's hard to come, hard to leave something like that over there and come home and, and then sort of compete against people that you grew up with and on, on horses that were a little bit less of what you, than you were used to but at the same time you can never forget where you come from and and, um, the quality of stock in Australia has really improved in the last five years. Yeah, I remember,
0: because we used to work together, I'm pretty sure one of your statements was, yeah, the the Bronx are bigger and a bit more powerful over in America, but over here when they're a little bit leaner, they're a lot sharper, they're a lot ducky and dive here.
2: Yeah, they do have a few more ducks and dives here and um, a little bit harder to track, but once uh once you get back to it and and readjust yourself to to riding that kind of horse then, then everything so it comes back to you again. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, that's pretty. Good. Then to come home, in like come, like so you're in the last year you're in the states two thousand thirteen. So then come back, and win Mount Isa, two thousand fourteen. So your first first year winning it that would have been pretty cool.
2: Yeah, well that's a rodeo that um you're happy to turn up to, let alone win it. Yeah. You know, it's one of them ones that I never thought I would win. Um, I was over the moon the, the day I did win it, and um, and everything was was really good. Um, it, it's it's a long way from back from Mount Isa back to Warwick. But yeah. It's even further if you did no good. But when you when you win something like that, there the whole trip home seems like a blur. And yeah, you sort of it's, it, it's good to good to sit down for seventeen hours in the car and and just think about things and let it sort of sink in before you do get home. Yeah, full well, head. Like, what was it, three,
0: did you cover three broncs? Uh,
2: two had, there two had. They had, um, Let's talk about them too. One the short, um, the year I went up, uh, that I ended up winning it, um, they had some new horses up there and, and not a lot of people knew about them. Uh, a few bushy horses went up there and, and uh, I was lucky enough to draw a decent one out of the first round and, and it was probably one of the things that I probably shouldn't have drawn or shouldn't have won, won as much as what I did on that horse, but I was lucky that uh, a few of the the better guys that had the better horses or something like that, they, um, they come down on the Saturday night knowing that win in the first round on a, on a Sunday, uh, Saturday morning, so yeah. it, it goes to show that it doesn't matter whether you're in the good pen or the night, if, if you can uh, do the best on, on the stock you got got, then, then uh, let the rest happen.
0: That's it, yep. Yeah. So then that's all we the short go, stepping over the chute, climbing down on that bronc. First ever man, was that?
2: Well, I was a bit winky about that one there because (laughs) I was last out and um on the Saturday night before she'd backed off Tony Caldwell, which is um like he was riding Unreal then and and she made sort of short work of him. She had a few good ducks and dives in Australia out of there but after that she was pretty good, so um yeah, once I made sure I had a spurred out and got past the first three pretty woofy ones there. She, she circled around pretty nice for me and didn't go too far from the shoots. and I made a nice ride on her. And, yeah, for me it was good.
0: Yeah, nice. So uh, you just said like to, to go and do Mount Island and win is something you never thought you'd do. But how about backing that up for the next two years and winning Mount Isa three years in a row, that's massive. There's no other man in Australia that can say they've done that in the bronc riding side.
2: No, um, like I said, to win it once is, was unreal, but to win it twice is, you sort of get used to it, I guess. And to win it three times or do something that nobody else has done, um, it's pretty special to me and it's something I'll never forget.
0: Yeah. Well, that is, you know, like, to be the only man in Australia to ever do that, That's that's something that you'll you know, even, even if somebody goes ahead and does it, you're the first man to ever do it.
2: Yeah, well, the good thing is it's going to be three years before someone else does it again. Well, so that's true. <laughs> I'll, hang, I'll hang on to your little, um for a little bit anyway. You know, and the thing is
0: like, it was only, what was, there was a, um, well, what was the reason you didn't actually go back? It wasn't the fact that you didn't win it, you didn't go back in 2017.
2: No, the fourth year I was, um, we were in, in Calgary at my- That's right, yep. At my wife's brother's wedding, so. Yeah. Yeah, no, we missed out on that one. I think we got home the day after, man, I was a shut, uh, finish, uh,
0: he would, you would have, He would have posted the date to you, and you're like, why? Like, <laughs> why, just the next weekend or something.
2: had a couple of memories come up from your Facebook page and that, so. <laughs> <could've>, <laughs> Still cussing yeah. at him. No, it was good, it was well worth it, and um, I suppose it was probably a good thing I didn't didn't go back, I could have lost anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's
0: it, you gotta have that positive out of it, I guess. Yeah. Um, like you just said, it is a trip, From Warwick to Mount Isa, you know, and and coming home after the win from Mount Isa is pretty big. But then to come back to Warwick and win your hometown rodeo, win Warwick rodeo the exact same year and once again be the only bronco rider in Australia to win Mount Isa and Warwick in the same year. That's massive again.
2: They're two of the biggest rodeos this country has and and, I guess they're both, the pair of them are the richest and the most prestigious, so... To be able to win one's pretty cool. To win both is awesome in the same year. But uh, to win win your hometown rodeo in front of your, your friends and family and everybody that's that's helped you and I've seen you from the start and that's um that's pretty special to me as well. Yeah,
0: yeah. Like you said, like in front of everyone, you know, like to have. I mean, I know I know Tam goes and does a heap of rodeos with you and and you like Darryl would have been there for a lot with you too. But to do it in front of them in at their hometown as well. You know, like you said, you've learned a lot off Daryl and that, but to be able to sit there and do it in front of his home crowd and your home crowd at the same time, its that's an accomplishment itself.
2: Yeah, no, it, was, it, it is It is special for me anyway.
0: Yeah. Well, that's the thing, you know, it, it's the little things, and that's, that's the saying that everyone's got the little things in life that makes the big difference, you know, and to have that as one of your little things is massive.
2: Yeah. No, it was pretty cool. I got to see my family when we are doing the victory lap in front of it, and... Um, yeah, see how happy they were for me, and yeah. it makes all the hard work worthwhile.
0: Oh, definitely, definitely. Well, um, you said before you made the, pro, the NRA finals eleven times, but you've also made the pro finals five times.
2: Yeah, no, um, made them every year since I've um, gone from having Warwick Radio to the APRA National Finals, and hopefully again, I can make them again this year. Be good. Um,
0: how are you sitting? Like, how, how's this year shaping up for you so
2: far? Uh, I haven't seen the latest standings, but I'd be around in the top fifteen there somewhere. Yeah, um, I've got a couple more good rodeos ahead of me, and and uh, if I can get a couple of good checks out of them, then it should look pretty good.
0: Yeah, what have you got coming up?
2: Uh, I'll be Nebo next weekend. Yeah, what are you hoping to draw
0: there? What would be your ideal draw pick?
2: Well, I had moves like Jagger there last year, and he's he's this year uh, the current bucking horse of the year, and. Uh, he made a pretty short work of me up there, and <laughs> knocked a bit of daylight out of me. But um, I wouldn't mind another crack at him You went that. back, uh, rerun. I don't want to jinx yourself but I think I might have him figured out. I, I've rode him twice since then, and done pretty good scores on him both times. And um, but him or any of the any of the stock that go up there, yeah, like he's got a whole lot of good mates with him, and and they're all just as good. So
0: yeah, yeah, that's um, is a, a fantastic radio itself, and then to get on it a good bronc and walk away with the wind would be another massive accomplishment
2: yeah it's an excellent venue with um really good prize money this year it's probably the highest um highest paying single ed rodeo in australia at the moment so and it's something they're pretty proud of and they they do get the best stock in the country to go there so
0: yeah well every year Woggy we'll is trying to put more and more into it
2: yeah exactly
0: you know and I mean, look what he's created
2: well it doesn't go unnoticed you'll see the you see the doors come out on Monday or Tuesday, and, and you'll see the amount of competitors that are actually in it, just for the single factor of the hard work that he's done.
0: Yeah, what's uh, what's your your guesstimate of how many is going to be in it, the
2: Bronx? Oh, I wouldn't be surprised if there's 20 to 25 Bronx riders there easily. Yeah, um, usually they have a pretty good roll up there and, and uh, have a couple of good sections and bring it into the night time with the big final section as well. There's something to be part of.
0: Yeah, well, like I was lucky enough to clan there, um, three year ago. I think it may have been, and like I said to to Lockie, because he said that Nebo is his fav- one of his favourites, rodeos. Um, they pack them in, actually pack the crowd in, and that they've they've had they turn them away that year, and I do say they've had to turn them away every year since, and probably this year again, because they just they come from everywhere.
2: No, it is one thing there. They they did spend the time and the money to make everything happen right, and um and it's definitely proven a good thing for
0: them. yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, um, like you said, you made the uh, the pro finals five times so far, and then in two thousand and fourteen, when they they did the the two in one sort of year, you won the pro temp, the pro tour championship. That's yep. pretty cool.
2: Yeah, no, it was, it was pretty cool going into the finals at your hometown in number one. Um, had a bit of a bad year that year and drew a couple of horses that sort of made a bit short work of me. But um, yeah, I got a couple rode and yeah, to be able to even, to be even in there and going number one is pretty cool. I'd like to do it again. I think I've still got a few more broncs left in me to, to be able to give it a whirl.
0: Yeah. You, um, what year was it? I think it may have been two year ago that you were leading into it again and you had you had a, a camera crew follow you an interview, and interviewing you and you were doing the grand entry and you had like a pole you're standing out in front of everyone you're holding the pole with a 360 camera in front
2: yeah no it was um part of a uh virtual video that they've done there and yeah, it is a 360 one so it was it gives everyone a a bird's eye view of what i get to see when i'm out there or if i turn my head or see exactly what everybody looks like from the middle of the arena
0: yeah which is a blur to you sometimes too, little on the camera.
2: Yeah, exactly. Sometimes yeah. you don't see much. Sometimes you see a lot. So.
0: Yeah. So what um. What would be probably the sharpest horse in Australia that you've ever gotten on that you'd love to get on again if it's still kicking around, or, or just something that you've you've gotten on, that you'd just be like, damn, that was a cracking bronc.
2: Um, probably the nicest horse I've ever been on is a horse called Wicked Woman. Um, I got on her at the Pro Finals. I think I was second round on her at the Gold Coast and um, I only never got to get on her once before she passed away and, and she was probably the nicest bronc I've ever been on. She she had lots of style and lots of class and she, she put a big heart into everything she did and, and uh, made a really nice ride on her and everything felt so technically correct I guess. And then uh, probably the the rankest one of the rankest horses in Australia now be moves like Jagger. Yeah. He's a home bred Gilbrothers horse and, and he um, he definitely is all there. Yeah. yeah. he's got he's got a few ducks and dives in him but he, he kicks through every every jump and, and he's got a heart of a line as well, so
0: Yeah. You said before that like, he was technically correct. Like for those at home that don't understand bronc riding, like explain
2: that to us everything felt like it was in slow motion yeah and you could see it felt like you had all day to to make the perfect ride on her and you could see your feet coming from from the shoulders and you could see it, see yourself setting your feet and and doing everything that a bronc rider is supposed to do and it felt like you had all day to do it in
0: yeah yeah that's that's pretty cool like from that from that first mark out jump and then everything just to be steady for you just to see it all as clear as you can It'd be the same in every event, you know, like you nod your head and see wrestling and see those horns clean as, or team open as a heel on side, come through the corner and see them legs clean as, you know, it makes a massive, massive difference. And that's probably when you, you kind of click to yourself, I'm on pointy, like I'm working this shit out.
2: And doing exactly everything correct. And, uh, and and like you said, like it feels like you've got all day to do it. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah, that's, that's gotta be a pretty cool part. Have you had any major injuries?
2: Ah, uh, touch wood not really, um, I've sort of had a few fractures in the arms and that but not, not bad, um, usually only a couple of weeks out, um, probably currently I've got a bit of a shoulder injury, injury that, uh.
0: Now you've had that for a bit now. Yeah.
2: Had it since Concurry last year in the, in the Ken Coleman shootout, I actually rode moves like Jagger and he threw me off the whistle and landed a bit awkwardly and, he took the wind out of me. I think I bucked three horses before I could catch my breath again. And <laughs> it was only after, after everything, in my ribs and stuff, stopped hurting that my shoulder started hurting, and it's hurt ever since. So, <laughs> true. It's right.
0: a chain reaction.
2: Yeah, it's just kind of yeah. It's it's pretty good now. It's about eighty percent, I suppose, and um, just working on a bit of strength with it now, and making sure that it's proper good before I do take a brace brace off. And
0: yeah. And what have you been doing to, to fix that to, to get yourself back to back to one hundred percent?
2: Well, team roping helps a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> gets a bit of the shoulder rotations going. And um, uh, no, I did. Uh, I've got a good chiropractor in town here at the moment, and and she helps out a lot with it. Um, and I've got a sports brace as well that I that I do ride with at the moment. So
0: yeah, yeah. That that's every little bit can help you.
2: Yeah, exactly. It, it's not so much a, a strength thing, it's just a lack of strength when, when it's in a certain position and uh, there's not much you can do to keep it up if it, if it does come, feels like it's coming out or anything like that. It never actually dislocated, it was more of a ligament damage than, than anything else. Yeah, and that, the hard
0: part would be to, to, to step over and go, I'm not 100% right now. This could pop out, you know, and, but I've still got to spur this thing for 90. Yeah, you know, I like guess how it, do you get into your frame of mind and go, let's do this?
2: Well, I guess everything after you've got your feet in the and you nod for the gate and everything after that's all up to, to fate or reality, I guess. Um, you let the, let the afterburners kick in and take over. Yep. Yeah. Just game on. It is.
0: Nod yeah. your face and get into it. Cool. Well, um, I've got some questions that I do ask everybody. And we are rolling through this rather quickly, but, you know, it's, it's running the way it is. But what's your favourite rodeo you've ever been to, like, ever competed at, whether it be in Australia, Canada or America, wherever you've been to. It might not even be your bronc riding. could be your team roping side or anything. Like, what's your favourite rodeo? Uh,
2: favourite rodeo I've ever competed at is Pendleton Roundup in Oregon the States. Um, yeah. Why? They buck them out in the grass there. <laughs> that yeah. is a wild show. I, they got a... Um, They've got a trotting track that they got to pass over, it's probably about five metres wide and then she's lush green grass after that and it's old school over there. And <laughs> Make big, sure you
0: hang on for those, for those five metres.
2: Big old wooden shoots, and um, yeah, once once you see the grass underneath you, everything goes from, from seeing sand and stuff like that or a bit of horse, you just see this big green blanket underneath you. <laughs> there's something pretty cool and, and it's one of the oldest rodeos over there. It's probably the funnest one that I've ever been to. Yeah. In Australia, I'd, I'd have to say Warwick and Mount Auslam are my two favourites here. Yeah, go uh, <laughs> Had a, had a good had good success in them, but they are like, a, they are prestigious and um, something that not everyone gets a chance to win.
0: Yeah. So what would you say, Pendleton? Like, what what made it so good? How'd you go though?
2: Um, uh, didn't do too bad there. I, I, I end up um, oh, probably just a couple of holes out from making the short round, but. Um, just the atmosphere that you have and then after you finish riding you can go down and sit on the grass in the middle of the arena with the rest of the competitors and and uh, watch the rest of the rodeo. Take it all in from a VIP. Exactly right, it's the best seat in the house. You bet,
0: yeah. What's the piece of advice that you'd give to someone that's just keen to start out, they've been sitting on the side along for a bit and been chomping at the bit be like I don't know how to get into this I don't know what to do. What's a bit of advice you give to someone starting?
2: Ask somebody. Um, doesn't matter who it is, there's no silly questions when you're starting out, even when you think you know it all, you've still got lots to learn. Yeah. Um, always have good gear, um, and then once you've figured out what you want to do and where you want to be, find somebody that's going to help you get there.
0: Yeah. So who was that person for you?
2: Um, like I said, I was lucky enough to be in the high school radio program, and, and Daryl Kong was the instructor when I was there, so I was lucky from the start that um that I had the best in, in the world actually teaching me from from the bare beginnings. Yeah. So he's, he's set the ground and um, got the foundation right for a start, and and then from there I've gone and, and there's been other people that helped me out along the way, and just little pieces of everybody that's that have built me to, to who I am now, I guess.
0: Yeah, which is one heck of a bronc rider, one heck of a gentleman, as you said in the start. Um. What about someone stuck in a rut, you know, being cracking at it for a bit and just can't shake their nerves or can't shake the the, the bad luck that they've been coming through? What bit of advice you got for that?
2: Well, I guess 2013 was the last year that I was in the states and uh, competing, and like I, said, I got into a bit of a rut where it felt like nothing I did was right, and and the best advice that I got then was you rode yourself into it, you can ride yourself out of it, so. Best thing is to do figure out what's going on, fix it, forget it, and move on. Get yeah. On to the next one.
0: Well, that's yeah, that's, and then that's in more than just bronc riding or bull riding. Like it's it's everything. It's life in general, really. That's exactly right. You know, you got yourself into this situation, you can get yourself out. And you got to ride through it.
2: Well, they reckon if you're digging yourself a hole, the quickest way to to get out of it stop digging.
0: <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Um, you said before you got a few of them, but who is your hero?
2: Um, probably as a competitor, Darryl Kong, he's probably my, my com- competing hero. Yeah. Um, in life in general, my parents are my heroes. Yeah. They've done the best, they, they've brought me up the best way they possibly could, and um, at times it felt like we never got everything we wanted, but we had everything we needed, so. And the I truth. Could, That's a lot of I people be, need If a I like could that. be half the parent that they were to me, I'd be pretty happy. Yeah.
0: There's a lot of people in life that need to look at that right there. Is we didn't have everything that we wanted, but we had everything we needed. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, and some people have got everything that they want. And they still don't see it. Yeah, you know, to see, but for you to see that as a younger person, that's pretty. That's a credit to your parents right there on itself.
2: Yeah, exactly. They, they um, I believe they brought us up right.
0: Yeah. There. Yeah, because you you've got two other brothers.
2: Yeah, I've got two brothers and a sister. Yeah. Brothers and
0: sister, and you're you're the only one that really radiates.
2: Um, uh, my older brother, he rodeoed. Um, he sort of he did a fa- fair bit of um sort of local stuff, and he got on some bulls in Bronx, and, and he had a crack at it and that. But he he sort of figured out it wasn't for him. And um, my my sister, she ro- she rode horses and that, but never really competed. Um, it was mainly sort of riding to help out at home and to yeah, and manage everything that we did on the farm when we were growing up, and then. Uh, my younger brother, he had a lot of talent riding steers and stuff like that, but um, he might have just figured out it wasn't for him. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah, well, like, you'd look at the way they've gone and they're doing their thing the like way you've gone and you are doing your thing, you know, like, one, some people just switch on and go, this isn't for me, and some are go, I want to keep going with this, and look where it's taking you.
2: Yeah, exactly. Like, i got to travel the world doing what I love and, and meet lifelong friends now that, um... That yeah, I wouldn't have got it if I stayed home.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that's it. Ain't that the truth?
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, let's let's crack it. Crack into some rapid fire questions. Um, one I haven't written down here, but Warwick or
2: Manizer. That's a tough one. I'd I'd have to say Warwick. I think um, if I got a chance to take a victory lap in either of them again, I'd have to say Warwick. Now
0: that it's the finals and you do it on the horse, or before when it was on the Toyota.
2: Uh probably even if it was just the Warwick Radio, it'd still be pretty cool. Yeah. There's, there's nothing better than, than well, it's a pretty tough one between the two of them. The Sunday afternoon performance at Warwick is is equally as good as Mount Isa. Yeah, um, I believe it's still Australia's most famous radio. Warwick is and and uh, given a chance to do a victory lap in either of again, I'd, I'd have to take Warwick.
0: Yeah, well, I'd love to be able to do Warwick Radio. Um, I don't do any pros. I've done a couple here and there, but I don't do any pros. I'm never gonna make the pro finals for a lot of years. So until they go back to a normal rodeo, I'm never actually gonna be able to do my hometown rodeo. So luckily enough, I live between Brigolo and Chinchilla now. So technically my home rodeo now is this weekend coming. So that'd be pretty cool for me. Um, What's your favorite song?
2: Oh, I like a bit everything. If you went through my playlist, you'd have everything from rap to rock and roll to slow country old country yeah everything so can't pinpoint it gotta give um, one pretty much anything a whale jennings um, true proper slow steady gene pitney yeah any of them fellas yeah okay. the old, old old cowboy music is is probably the probably the go for me
0: yeah cool what's your favorite movie
2: lonesome dove Awesome <laughs>
0: that was *Tide Rangers* favorite movie too. Last episode.
2: It should be anyone's favorite
0: movie. <laughs> yeah, any cowboy's favorite movie. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty cool. Um, what's your favorite horse? Okay, we'll we'll do two. We'll do two here. What's your favorite horse you've ever got on bronc riding wise? Ever.
2: Ever. Um, probably Marlowe's Rose*.
0: Marlowe's Rose*. Okay. What's your favorite horse you've ever team roped and calf roped or calf roped on? Uh, Booker Jism. Booker Jism. Booker. It was Benny, Bubber, and Booker today, yeah. this weekend. We roped together this weekend and it was pretty cool. I let you down. You let me down yesterday and I let you down today. And that's
2: the good thing about team roping you. That's You're right. Getting everyone back eventually. <laughs> that's it. it all goes around comes around. When a header misses for me, it takes all the pressure off. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, it's, um, we had some big numbers this weekend. We're, right now we're at the Evandale jackpot for the ATRA and um, Sunday afternoon everything's over. We're smashing this episode out before I jump in the truck and head home. But um, we had the biggest numbers we've ever had for the eights team roping here. Um, it was 50 something or 60 something team roping runs. Yeah, I think
2: they had 53 yesterday and 55 or 56 yesterday, or today. Today, I think so. yeah. yeah.
0: Which yeah. put it in two progressive on two. So if you don't rope your first year you, you're out, you know, you don't get your second shot to go at a quick time and maybe sneak into a fourth or something. Um, and then yesterday I, I turned my first for you and you missed, so that left us out. And then today I turned my first and you just come in on Booker and just, just napped this thing up. Thought you had to, I thought it was a pretty loop and then just jagged a leg. But that took us into the second round and then um, come out and I missed.
2: No, it happens and everything. <laughs> <laughs> just and
0: simply I, missed is a slow, steady steer, and I just went,
2: whoop. No, um, you can't blame your partner in, in Team Rope, and, um, when you're in and you obviously believe that they're good enough to compete with you. So That's right. Every day, everybody has a day where they, they miss one easy, and eventually one day, if you're lower of averages, you're going to be able to win more than what you lose.
0: Yeah. What well, um,
2: radio or jackpot? uh i've got a bit competitor in me i like i like rodeo and as far as um, rough stock stuff but jackpot and i love working on young horses and and jackpots sort of give you a chance to to work on yourself and your horse as well
0: yeah well um i did skip this because i missed it in the page we're getting it back here like you said in your intro part-time calf roper so you've you've turned your hand into a bit of calf roping
2: yeah i'm probably I don't know, a little bit old school. I think uh, all round cowboys should be able to compete at both ends. Yep. And uh, calf roping and team roping are the, the two events that I kinda fancy down that end of the arena. Yep. Um, there's so many variables that can go on and, and until you actually compete in a different event and especially in a time event, you don't have an appreciation of, of how much goes into horse preparation, um, practice, and properly and making sure that everything's gonna work out right. Um, there's a lot of trust between competitor and horse in team roping, but it's even more in calf roping because you're leaving that horse there standing That's right. to do a job while you're down the other end doing, doing your, your job. Your
0: job, yeah. You've got to have full trust in them to to get, to, for them to do their job, to help you do your job.
2: Yeah, exactly right, you know? and if, if it's one of them things that if either you or, or the horses letting either one down and. Then you can go from being eight to eighteen pretty quick.
0: That's it, or even longer run out of time. Yeah. Um see so what what really got you cracking into the calf roping side? Who started you on that?
2: Um, Trevor Ross and Alan Flood. Um, a couple of pretty handy calf ropers that have that are around the Warwick area and uh, Bevan Eastwell. Um, his boys rope as good as anyone in the country now definitely I grew up with them and between, between the knowledge that I've picked up from them and, and having decent horses underneath me when I do enter, um, that's kind of helped me.
0: Yeah, makes a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. So then, as it is said, we roped together today. We're at a team roping jackpot today. You've also turned your hand to team roping.
2: Yeah, well, um, my wife, Tam, her, her cousin is with so, and she's married Rowan, and uh, they run Evandale jackpots, and... They've been real good to me over the years and and uh, been able to give me the guidance and some, some decent horsepower underneath me to to have a bit of fun
0: yeah, well, like you said, your favorite horse to to team up on is Booker, and Booker was uh islyssos he was one of the the handiest turnback horses in cutting for a long time when running so were doing cutting and now like Johnny Johnny Lisso and yourself have spent a lot of time with him and brought him along slowly, never rushed him in the team side, a lot of dummy work before he got his live steer and you look at him now, you barely, Would you say, he nearly had six months off and then brought him in the other day to break yeah. some steers in.
2: he's one of them horses, he had a little bit of shit in him when he, he kind of started yeah. Um, yeah, he was a bit of a cracker. That's why you were the one getting on him. <laughs> I, th- I think so, they seen a rock rider come along and thought he'd be able to handle him but um, no, we, we kind of got along pretty good, he's um, he, he's an unreal horse and and uh, yeah to be able to get the opportunity to ride him and, and sort of bring him along as like you said, we did bring him along slowly and uh, it's well worth it in the end. He's still got a bit to go before he's finished but he's, uh, yeah. he's come along really, really good now. And you've got to take a lot of pride
0: in that too because you, you have been one of the big contributing factors into to what he's turning into as a team roping horse. You've spent a lot of time on him.
2: Yeah, I did spend a long time on him and that, and he's done a fair bit of mustering and that sort of stuff. And, and uh, having, having Johnny and Lisa and Rowan and that help me help him has been huge for me. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's amazing, because he is an unreal horse. And pretty to look at, like he is well put together. He's a big boy.
2: Yeah. He'd no. feel
0: twice as big on, the, on top, I reckon,
2: too. Not too much gets away from when you get a dally on him. <laughs> no, he, um, he does not move and and he's that kind of horse now that uh, you can pull him out of the paddock and go and heal a few steers on him. He, he got, he's going to pick up exactly where he left off last time you rode him.
0: Yeah well like you just said before um like he's broken a few steers here last weekend and he got pulled out of the paddock after six months off and um the boys need a little bit more horsepower so he got the call up and no worries at all and then hasn't been ridden all week and then you pulled him out of the paddock the other day and got on him and rope running all weekend.
2: Yeah, no, that's the kind of horse he's turned into now that you, you can trust him to do that and, um, yeah, he's gonna be he's gonna be there for you when you need him.
0: Yeah. No, that's pretty cool. That's that's what you sort of want to chase is someone you yourself that what is still starting, I guess you'd say, with your healing is to have that handy horse under you. You know, like, um, it wasn't Booker that you started actually jackpotting on, but to bring him along slowly and and get you ahead in the game before stepping onto him and then getting him, bringing him into it, it's it's pretty accomplishing.
2: Yeah, no, he's he's a good horse. Yeah,
0: no, definitely. Well, um, like I said to you before, like have have a thought about this, but um, the reason why I've called it the cashless cowboy is because at one point or another, as I've said in every episode, everyone gets down the road with no money in their pocket, whether it be a jackpot. A, a pro, an NRA, any sort of rodeo, you get down the road with no money in your pocket, you've got your entries, you've got your diesel, and you're like, shit, if I don't win, things can get very, very tight. You know, you've got to hump up, you've got to do whatever you can to do to, to walk all right out of that arena with more money in your pocket than what you came into it with. So what would you say your definition of the cash is Cowboy, is what's your definition of hustle?
2: Um. I guess uh I've been in positions where, where you have sort of got nothing left, um, back down to being on the other side of the world and and having forty bucks to your name, with being entered for no three weeks in a row, pretty ahead and and uh, not having anything to go on and and knowing that you need to ride, um sometimes it takes one horse just to turn everything around. Yeah. Um. Like I said before, you ride yourself into a rut. You can ride yourself out of it. Um, whatever you do, just keep focused, and positive attitude is the biggest key.
0: Yeah, pull yourself out, keep us going forward.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. No, awesome. Well, um, we were supposed to do this last night, but uh, once we sort of finished and the wind picked up, and you're like, Yeah, we're loading and we're going home.
2: Yeah.
0: So um, I'd like to thank you very much for coming and sitting down. We did have to relocate a couple of times for audio, And I'm not 100% sure this audio is going to be as crisp and clear as what it possibly could be. But I just want to thank you for sitting down with me and and cracking into it. It's been a pleasure. No problem. Anytime. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, guys. Well, uh, episode number eight should have Tui Gordon on. I'll interview her this weekend at Chinchilla Radio. Take it easy.